message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Good morning, guys. I, I think it's, I just, it's a privilege for me to be here with you guys. It's an honor. Uh, happy New Year. Yeah, happy new year. I am gonna I'm gonna go on a on a keto, a Mexican keto <laughs> diet. Anybody heard of that? The Mexican keto diet? It's poquito tamales, poquito menudo, poquito de esto, poquito más, poquito más, poquito más. That means a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of tamales, a little bit of menudo, and a little more, and a little more, and a little more. And <clears throat> I got something burning off, burning on my chest. I, I got to get it out of my crawl. It's gotta, I get this off my chest. This guy, he goes and sees a wizard, and he says, can you remove this curse that this priest put on me? This, he, this priest put it on me. And the wizard says, maybe, can you remember the exact words of the curse that the priest put on you? He goes, yeah, well, what are they? I now pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> Cold, huh? My wife and I have been married 38 years. I believe in marriage. <laughs> and my boys are here. Both of my boys are here. I'm proud of my boys. And... Both Joseph and Jonathan are here, and I'm going to be talking about Job. And, and if you go to the Word of Faith teachers, that's the, the name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it, it's not a very popular, Job's not a very popular character or a popular book, you know, because they say that, that you shouldn't have adversity. If you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, adversity shouldn't touch you. How many of you guys know that's not true? Yeah. Adversity does, does touch us. Adversity does mess with us. And this Job guy, he is a hero. He's got heroic. He, he has got heroic endurance. And, you know, he's one of my favorites. And I love the Old Testament. I love the new. I love the old. I, I embrace it all. I, it's all inspired. Every bit of it. Old, new, it's all inspired by God. What does it mean inspired? It means God breathed on these men. God breathed on these men, and then they pinned what he, what he breathed on them, what he told them. They were touched by the Holy Spirit. They, they pinned it. They wrote it down. My favorite is Jesus. I like Paul, the Apostle Paul, and then David, and, and I think Job's in there somewhere too. But let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I need you. Without you, God, this is just a lecture. Just a lecture, God, and I need your inspiration. I need your Holy Spirit, God. I need you to come and touch people's lives today, Lord. And I pray that, that everyone here will leave with something, some kind of a, a, a rhema, something to help them throughout the week and throughout this new year. 
We invite you here, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And like I said, I, I, I love this. I love this, the words, because I love him. I love the author. And I do, I do know it, guys. I do read. I've dedicated my life to it since I was a kid, since I was in my 20s, reading the Word and getting to know what's in there. And it's not just knowledge. It's wisdom. I want wisdom, man. I want to know how to live practically. And it's also getting to know Him. That's knowledge, getting to know Jesus. What did Paul say? All the past, all that past, the pedigree, all my, my religious pedigree, was, I, I laid it aside, and I considered it, what did he say, dung. And I reached forward to, to, to knowing Jesus. And that's what I want. I want to know him better. I'm 62, and I still want to know him better. I want to know him more. I want to be more like him. And my son helped me out with this title, Becoming Who You Are. It's my son, Jonathan. And he's really sharp. Both my boys, I'm so proud of both my boys. And they're proud of me, too. But, but he said, I had the title, Holding On to Your Integrity uh, Under Fire. That was my title. Or, or, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, that, that was another one I was going to do. And he goes, no, Dad, do this. Becoming who you are. And, and that's what Paul said. The sanctification, what do you say? For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that, man. It's just like we're under construction, and God uses adversity. God uses hard things, uses suffering to change us, to mold us, to make us more like him. What did it say in James? We're just reading in the, in the bookmark where it says, consider it all joy. That's a, 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 an accounting term. Consider it. It doesn't say you're going to feel it. Consider it all joy when you encounter various diverse trials. Consider it all joy because it's going to be worth it. God does compensate. If you suffer, if you're going through hard times, God is the God of compensation. He will recompense you. Yeah, serious, amen, he does. And here you have this book. And it's, he's a contemporary, Job is a contemporary of Abraham. Post-flood, post-flood area, the placement of the book is not in chronological order. It's post-Tower of Babel. You guys ever hear of that Tower of Babel where the people try to build a tower to the heavens autonomously, apart from God, independent from God, and God came down and saw it, and he confused their language, languages, or confused their language. And some of you guys are hearing this for the first time. And it's probably the oldest book ever written. And it's put in the other poetic books. The Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalms. But it, it is very, very fascinating. And let's go to Job chapter 1, 1 through 3. And I want to maybe we'll go 1 through 3, Alex, and then maybe 6 through 12. I just want to probably get it all. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Can you put up 6 through 12 too, Alex? Okay. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, angels, 
and the devil came along with him. Satan also came. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Does he still do that, guys? Who said that? Oh, you did. I mean, who in the Bible? Peter. <laughs> Peter said that. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Peter said that the devil is roaming the earth. He's patrolling, looking for someone to devour, to consume, like a lion, right? He's, he's been declawed and detoothed, though. And then the Lord said to, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Job answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? And there was a man from, let's stop right there, that's cool. There was a man from the land of Uz, where the munchkins lived, where the lollipop kids, remember the lollipop kids? The lollipop kids. Where was this land of us? On somewhere over the rainbow. I'm just playing. Just playing with you guys. It's northern Arabia. It's in Midian, near Midian. And this guy was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He respected him. He turned away from evil. He had integrity. Job had integrity. There was no, I, I use the word duplicity. There was no duplicity in his life. None, man. He was the same guy at, at the house that he was at church. He was the same guy at, at the job that he was at, at the house. Same guy, man. He had, he had integrity. Same guy in the, that was in the, in the darkness as he was in the light. And there was no duplicity. And that's one of the indictments against the church of America. And I'm not saying Valley. I love this place. I love you guys. You guys are real. You guys are real, real. I love it. You guys keep it real. You guys are transparent. You guys keep it real. I, I, this is an unusual church. It's a great church. But the, but the Church of America on the whole, and, and the better, more commonly used word is hypocrisy. And that's the indictment. That's the indictment that the younger generation has against us. You guys are hypocrites. And Job had no duplicity. He was not a chameleon. Have you guys ever heard of a, a chameleon? A chameleon is an animal that adapts, that adjusts its color and its, and, and its, its, uh, its appearance to, to survive. Job was not a, a chameleon. He was much like Abraham. Abraham was that, that thermostatic Christian. He came in. He set the environment. He was the guy that, that he, he's the one that, that changed the tone of wherever he went because he was godly. And he was uncompromising. And you juxtapose that to Lot. What did Lot do? Lot went, he crept into Sodom and Gomorrah, and he started adjusting. He was a thermometer guy. Started adjusting, becoming more like them, taking on their customs. And then when they tried to leave, remember the angels tried to pull him out, and they tried to leave? Sodom was in their hearts. Sodom was in his wife's heart. That's why she turned around. Sodom was in his daughter's hearts. So there's this really cool jam by the dramatics. I wanted them to play it, but it, I couldn't. And I'm, it's, it came out in the 70s. You guys remember the dramatics? Anybody remember the dramatics? What you see is what you get. It's a, it's a cool jam. I'm stuck in the 70s. I'm frozen in the 70s. That's when I got saved in the 80s, 70s. And you guys want me to sing it? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> 
Some people are made of plastic. Some people are made of wood. Some people have hearts of stone. Some people are up to no good. And then he goes, and he goes off a little bit, but baby, I'm for real. I'm as real as real can get. For what you're looking for is real love. For what you see is what you get. That was Job. Yeah, that's, that was Job. What you saw is what you got. And he wouldn't sing that about himself. He was humble. He was a very humble man. But that's what he was all about. What you saw is what you got, man. And here in Job 1, for the first time in a long time, God was proud of one of his kids. What was the reason he flooded the earth? You guys remember that? He says the, the, the intention of men's hearts was evil, evil continually. The wickedness, uh, it was continually bad. And, and then it says that it's the, the, uh, the phraseology is very, very interesting. It says the Lord was sorry. He regretted that he had made man. And, and, and whoever wrote that, I think it was Moses, he put a human element to the emotion. The Lord was sorry. And I think he's just trying to express the heartache that God felt. Are we there? Are we there today? Is God like, I think the church is a remnant. The church is keeping holding back God's judgment. The rain is going to start falling pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, God is coming back. You know, what did, John, first, what did John say in 1 John? We are on the last hour. He said that 2,000 years ago. Where are we at now? Last minute. We're in the last minute, man. And, and this man had no duplicity. He was blameless. He was up, upright. He had a fear of God. He had, he had reverence, respect. And he turned away from evil. Is that easy? Heck no. It's not easy, is it? It is not easy. That is not easy. We have so much access to sin through our phones, through the... <laughs> through social media, there's so much access, it's not easy. Not easy to turn your eyes from evil. Turn your mind, say no to your flesh. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's very much worth it. And this guy had 10 children. Verse three said he was very wealthy. That's how they, they, they gauge wealth, is, is how much stuff you had, how much livestock. He was extremely wealthy. He was the Elon Musk of Mesopotamia. He loved his kids. He'd pray for them. He was the, the high, he was the priest, the family priest. He would intercede for them, do sacrifices for them. And then God does something. You know, they're, 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 we get this viewpoint in the throne of, the throne of God, behind the scene. And, and God's the one that picks the fight with the devil, isn't he? God's the one that throws that first blow. Bam! Hits the devil right in the mouth. Kind of pushes him. Have you considered my servant, my boy, my son, my kid? And he's bragging about Job. Can, brag, can God brag about you guys? Amen. Who said amen? Good. I don't know if I want him bragging about me. Don't brag too hard, God. I don't want that target on me, Lord. You know, just sit kind of quiet. You know what? No matter what, we all have a target. As soon as you get saved, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, you get a target. So don't underachieve. 
Don't underachieve and say, well, I want to stay off the radar. Don't do that. You continue to, to, to be yourself. Uh, be, let God be proud of you. And bring me to my first point. Integrity is having the same mindset on a consistent basis. And guys, that's smart, what my sister Cheryl is doing over here. Notes. Write notes. Write your notes, man, because it keeps you focused. Then you can go back to it later on and say, okay, man, this is what God said. You can feast on what you've written. Write your notes. And we get this viewpoint. We're like a mosca. It's a fly. A mosca on the wall. We get to see what's going on. You know what's important here? Job never did. He did not, he had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. And the view is the very throne of God in heaven, of heaven. And the devil, and the Lord uses a military term when he says, have you scoped him out? Have you scoped out my, my son, my boy Job? And it's a calculated comment. It's not said, something said in a cavalier way. It's not said flippantly. It's said very calculated what God is saying here. Have you considered my boy? And there's this painting in Pastor Tom Touchstone's office of a, of a, of a chess game. And you have the Lord over here, or, or an angel, or I think it's the Lord, and the devil. And in the middle is the, the, the chess, the chess uh, board. And we're pawns on that thing. And you know what's interesting, I came up with this, is even the devil is a pawn for God. He's still, he's still God's devil. God still uses the devil. But Job is one of the pieces on that board. And you fast forward that a, a couple thousand years, this, this fast forward, and you go to this account in Luke. Check it out. And, and this is a conversation, conversation Jesus was having with, uh, with Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. It's interesting here, why does he say his name twice? <laughs> He's trying to give him a heads up here. It's a, it's a warning. Simon, Simon. And then why does he go to his old name? Why does he go to his BC name, before Christ name? His old fleshly nature name. Why does he do that? And, and, and then he, the, he, he gives him a heads up. He says, the devil is, he's pretty aggressive. And he's demanding permission to sift you. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And once you've, you've turned again, you're going to fall. He tells him, you're going to fall. But once you've turned again, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Why did he give Peter this warning? Peter got a little big-headed. He thought he was a little, little more spiritual than the rest of the guys. He made some boasts. He, he, he wrote out this check that he, that he could not cash. He <laughs> said, hey, I, I will die for you. You know, uh, I'll never bail on you, Jesus. Maybe these other guys are going to punk out, but not me. You know, not me, Lord. And then Jesus looked at him and said, really? With one eye, eyebrow raised, Really? Really? And God does control the devil. He is still God's devil. He is, he is his pawn. And he allows the devil, he's got this leash, and, and it's a short one, but he allows the devil to do certain things, to refine us, to make us better, 
to, to, to get us to stop depending on our own strength. Yeah, to not be autonomous, to be de- dependent on the Lord, not be independent. And that's what he was getting at with Peter. You know, I want you to be, be more dependent on me. And, and, and you know what God does? He keeps his eye on that gauge too, that temperature gauge. He's loving. He's good, man. He just kind of keeps his eye on that. He knows how much we can take. And, and that encourages me. And then he says, I've prayed for you. I prayed for you, Peter, and I won't stop. And we just read in Hebrews that, that Jesus intercedes for us. He's praying for us. When we're under the gun, man, when, when we're being attacked, when we're being tempted, Jesus is praying for us. But the first point is integrity is having the same mindset on a consistent basis. The second point is everything we go through is Father filtered. Everything. Everything has to go through God. When it comes to us, when it comes to his people, when it comes to his kids, everything has to go through him. And the way I've surmised this is, is the devil will come up with a plan, okay? He'll write up a, a, a plan, an agenda, and it has to go across God's desk. And God looks at it, he looks at us. This will make them better. This will make them better. It's all got to go through God. And it's father filtered. The devil is a pawn. He is a pawn for God. And let's go to Job 1, 9 through 12. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Has thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has and he'll surely curse thee to thy face. He'll flip you off. He'll cuss you out. That's the accusation. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. So let's go back to the throne room. God's the one that threw the first blow, right? Threw threw the first punch. He instigates this whole thing. He provokes the devil. And, And what is the devil? What's his rebuttal? He comes back with these accusations. You know, you, you, you know what? The love he has for you is tainted. You know how the devil is, man. He's so, he's so evil, so insidious. It's dirty. These human beings, they really don't love you. You know, they, want, they love the gifts, not the gift giver. They don't care about you. And it was an insult. The devil was dissing God because we're made in his image. And he's really got a beef with God, and we're just caught in the crossfire. But he says their motives are not clean. There's no difference between this guy and these people you destroyed with the flood. There's no difference. You know, if you put a wall around him. You put a hedge around this guy. Pull that wall off. Let me take his stuff. He'll flip you off. He'll cuss you out. And remember, God tests to appeal to our, our, our good side to our spiritual side. The devil tempts to appeal to our dark side, to our bad side. And sometimes it's hard to know, you know, the difference. But remember, everything is Father filtered. He's the sovereign. He's in complete control. God and the devil are not on the same level. He's a created being. Remember, he was Lucifer. God made him. But that brings me comfort. And does this insidious creature still have access to God's throne? Uh, I think so. Look at Revelation 12, 
and there was war in heaven. And I think this is future tense. Michael and his angels waging war with the, with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of the testimony. And they not, did not even love their life, even when faced with death. And, and I love that because the question is, does the devil still accuse us? Of course. Now, how do we overcome those, those, those accusations? You know, the, the, the blood, the blood of Jesus, man. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He went down to hell. <laughs> and and he, he crashed the devil's party, man. He took the keys of death. And, and you know what Jesus said? There's a, there's, a new, there's a new sheriff in Dodge, and you're not him. And this sin thing, this, sin thi this, this hold you have over mankind, no mas, no more. But what is the freedom, this word freedom? People use it in America. They use it so, it's used wrongly. It's warped. The freedom, it's not freedom to do what you want. It's freedom from sin. That's why Jesus came, freedom from sin. And then it says, you overcome by the word of our testimony. And guys, we should never tire of telling our testimony. Never. You know our testimony. You've heard my testimony. It's interwoven with Elena's, how she got pregnant, and it brought me to the Lord, and it brought me to my knees, and and I remember surrendering in 1984. I said, I'm sick of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, Lord. And I remember my boy. My, is my boy here? My oldest, Joseph. Can you stand up, Joseph? No, I don't want to embarrass you. Just stay there. I remember holding him and saying, God, this generational junk's got to stop. I can't, I'm not passing this on. I do not want to see my kids, I don't want them to see me drunk or acting a fool. We said yes to Jesus, and Elena told me she did it while she was pregnant with my son. I didn't even know this until till the other day. She told me, she was in the shower, and she said, I gave God my will, man. I surrendered to God, and that broke that generational junk. It happened, man. We, we broke it. Through the Lord, I mean, I'm not bragging, I'm not, I'm not bragging, I'm bragging on God. God is good. Don't ever tire of sharing your testimony. That's, a, that's the most powerful witnessing tool you have. Nobody can say, hey, nobody can refute it and say, well, that's wrong. It's your testimony. What was the blind guy, what was his te testimony? The guy that was born blind, he said, I was blind, now I see. It's real simple, but that's how we overcome. And then this is how he comes across, the devil sometimes. He comes in the form of condemnation, that sense of guilt, that doom. You know, my, my wife asked me the other day, what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? And, and conviction can be a good thing. I think it always is. It's like when you're about to do something, about to deviate, you know, do your own thing and, and deviate away from God, you know, in your actions or your mind or, your, or whatever, your words. And, and the Holy Spirit will come like a referee, 
blow his whistle. Foul! Don't do that. You don't say that. And you know that's evidence that you're saved. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And, and let's say that you have blown it. The Holy Spirit will come afterwards and say, hey, he's easily grieved. The Holy Spirit is easily grieved, easily offended, and he'll bring that conviction. And the condemnation is, is, is different. It's normally external. It's outside. It's that sense of guilt over something you've done, already done. Maybe your past. The devil will condemn you. And it's meant to rob you of your joy and your peace. And it's unproductive. Totally unproductive. And once I've confessed, okay, Hector, I'll use myself as an example. Once I've confessed my sin, told God, you know, as it says in 1 John, I've confessed, I, I confess my sin to you, God, and therefore he cleanses me and he washes me. And that thing lingers, that sense of doom. If it stays, if it lingers, that means it's condemnation. And, and I've repented. That's the other part. You've, you've repented. I've done that 180. I've turned away. And it lingers. And that's why we got to know this, guys. we got to know the Word. Because the Word says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you guys in Christ Jesus? How many of you guys are in Christ Jesus? Yeah. No condemnation. Do not entertain that thought. So Satan leaves the Lord's presence. He wastes no time. God gives him that green light. And Job gets that knock on the door or the phone call in the middle of the night. Horrible news. Horrible news. In the movie Private Ryan, it, it, the, the, the army car comes up. It's an official-looking car. comes up to the ranch where the, ladies, where the mom is living. And three of her boys have been killed in combat. And they come, and she comes out to the porch. And they just show, they don't, they don't, they just show her collapsing when she hears the grief, when she hears that her, three of her sons had died. And she just grieved, and she just collapses. And here with Job, the devil staggers the attacks. The bad news comes in waves, and it's meant to throw you off sometimes, these, this bad news, throw you off balance, bring confusion. And it's people, nature, people, nature. First it's his business, his wealth, and it's fire from the devil. The sheep are burned up, and the camels, and then the last one, the last one is the one that broke his, broke his back. All 10 of his children. And remember, Job is not privy to what's going on. He does not have this. He does not have hindsight. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know that he's in this cosmic, part of this cosmic contest between God and the devil. He doesn't have the luxury of the written word. And, and does God ever explain to Job why, the why? I don't think he ever does. And that's why God bragged on him. His trust level was phenomenal. And what do what they call, the insurance policies call this, this, these natural disasters acts of God? Obviously, it was an act of the devil. So number three, I want to go to the third point. If someone is suffering, please give them grace. Please give them grace. You, you know, don't make it worse. Sin can be the cause sometimes for the adversity, but even if it is, and you're not sure, be kind. Take them food. Write them a card. Give them grace. Give them empathy, compassion. 
When, when my wife lost her, her mom and her sister back to back, it was hard. It was hard. Her sister was kind of young, not even 60, and all I did was listen. You know, I, I, I resisted the urge to try and fix it. I resisted the urge to, to dispense of these spiritual cliches and say, well, they're in heaven. She's no longer suffering. I didn't try and do that. And she told me the grief was heavy. It was stifling. She goes, the, the grief was so, it was stifling. It, it, it impeded my ability to breathe. And sometimes you just got to listen. And then a friend of mine, his son passed away, and it was tragic. And I remember I called him, and I was doing that pastor thing. I was listening. I'm sorry, man. And I was giving him, you know, the, the compassion, the empathy. And, and then I heard something, though. I heard the, the what ifs. What if I, I, I didn't do this? I should have done this. The regrets, the remorse. And I said, hey, hold on. I did go into Pastor Hector mode. I, hold on. Be careful. That condemnation is trying to creep in. Be real careful, man. Satan is, a, is an opportunist. And those thoughts are not productive. So sometimes you do have to tell the truth in a kind way. But he also, not only does he, uh, another component about Satan's accusations are he not only accuses us before God, but he accuses God before us. You know, what do the accusations sound like? If God really loved you, then why? Why did he allow that? Why, why did you lose your job? You know, if you're truly God's kid, why do you have health issues? You know, why, why did you lose your marriage, your family? You know, why? And if you start giving in to that, that, that it, it, it's dangerous because it could put a wedge between you and the Lord. You start buying into those lies you know, and you begin to chain those thoughts and, and you begin having issues with God and, and it's all too common. That's what's, what's not good. It's negative. It's all too common in our world where people have, get this, they have an issue with God and they blame him and, and, and they do this, it's a Spanish term, they put God on the leva. You guys know what that is? Anybody know what that is? I know Charlie does. You, you, you give him the silent treatment. It's cold war. I don't talk to you, God. I'm mad at you. You did this, and you stop praying, and you stop uh, reading your word, you stop going to church, you stop living, and you're paralyzed. And this is my, my opinion. The opposite of hate, love is not hate. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference, it's apathy, it's callousness, it's an I don't care. You know, you, think about that. You apply that to a marriage. You put your wife or your husband on the level. What happens in a marriage? What does that Cold War do? It makes things worse. When you're not talking, man, it's, it's, that's, the silent treatment is the worst thing you can do. And in your relationship with God, I even say this. If you're angry at him, if you feel like he's been unfair, have it out with him. Tell him. Yeah, tell him. Say, tell him. At least communicate. Talk to him. And then I'm going to come into the end here. And the best way to get back at Satan is to love God and to be loyal to him despite the adversity. That's the best way. That should be a PowerPoint, but I didn't make it a PowerPoint. But that is the best way. Becoming who you are, as my son 
you know, that who you're meant to be. That's so important. And if you have issues with God, get counsel. Talk to somebody spiritual. Talk to somebody with wisdom, with compassion. Now I want to go to the highlight of this chapter. And this is unbelievable. I love this. Job 120. Uh, let's go to 120. Um, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshiped. Tore his robe. He tore his robe. They, they, all, they would always rent their, their, their robes from the top to the bottom. Bam! When they were grieved. Uh, Jacob did it when they told him that his son Joseph was dead. They would tear their robes. It was, it was, uh, uh, it was to betray their utter grief, their, their, the, 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 uh, the horrible news. Like that mom, when she collapsed on the, on the porch, uh, saving Private Ryan, she, she like tore her robe. And I'd like to go to Matthew 27, and the question is, did, did God, does God have a robe? Does, did he tear his robe? And I want to read it. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded, yielded up his spirit. And then in John it says, he, he yelled out that, that cry of victory. He said, it is finished. To Telestai, price paid in full. A cry of victory, not a cry of a victim. Then it says, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split, the top to bottom. God did rent his robe. He did tear it. What preceded this? What preceded this event, this, this tearing of the garment, when Jesus shouted out that, that, that cry of victory? And that veil, that the cortina, the curtain, is what separates men from God. And it was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was God initiating that. That means we can have confidence, guys. We can go in with confidence to the throne of God. Before it, you couldn't have any contact with God, or you'd die if you die if you did. Was it costly? Was it costly, that access we have to, to God's throne? Was it co extremely costly? Does God know how it feels? Can he relate to our pain? Absolutely. And only he can truly comfort and heal us. Then the last part, the last part, 21 and 22. And then Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. <laughs> he falls to the ground, and he worships. He worships God. He heroically worships God. Heck yeah, man. Can you imagine the scene in hell? The, the, the demons, man, they drop their meth pipes. They stop pimp pumping that kegger. They, they gag on their devil food, devil eggs. Job ruined their party. The only one that was cussing was the devil. And it brings me to my last point. Please don't blame God. Please don't blame God. And if you are in that situation, talk to somebody. Talk to the Lord, first of all. Talk to him for sure. Okay, let's pray. Lord, uh, uh, we thank you for, for this, this man, the, 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 the study of Job, Lord, his integrity. 
That guy was consistent. He had the same mindset on a 24-7. Same mindset, not perfect, but he was upright. He feared you, turned away from evil. Help us, God, to emulate that, please, Lord. And I, I take tremendous comfort that everything we go through, Lord, is Father filtered. You are in complete control of everything that happens to us. You care for us so much. You keep your eye on that temperature gauge. And we thank you for that care. We thank you for that love, Lord. And help us, God, as a body of Christ, God, here, the the church, you guys are the church. Help us as a church, if someone is suffering, to be kind, take them food, be merciful, write them a card, walk in their shoes, pray for them. And if life has been unfair, unfair, please don't blame the Lord. Talk to him. Remember, he's the God who compensates. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer, guys, if you want to accept the Lord, please come up. we got some really good people up here. Have a good week, guys. God bless. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our king.